see everyone in here on this Tuesday evening. We are powered on ADC Sports Primetime by DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook, who has a great deal going on for you right now. If you head to their website, DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook, and you use the promo code A to Z Sports, folks, you're going to get 56 to 1 odds on Super Bowl 56. That means that a $5 bet becomes $280 in free bets if your team wins. But that is only on DraftKings, only with the promo code A to Z Sports. We, of course, also powered on primetime by Two Rivers Ford, by Gary Ashton and his team at REMAX Advantage, and by Brimac Heating and Cooling. We'll talk more about them as the show goes along. Derek already hopping in, saying he thinks Stafford is a Hall of Famer. Look forward to having that discussion more in depth a little bit later on in the show. But let's start with the best of conversations, because we've got two of them. We're going to start with Titans general manager, John Robinson, who was the first of, of two, he and Vrabel, again, locked up by the Titans with contract extensions this afternoon. The best thing that John Robinson has done for the Titans is more than just culture. Because I think a lot of people, if they were asked, what is the best thing that John Robinson has done for the Titans, would say, well, he has uh, reinvigorated the culture. We're going to talk a little bit about culture with Mike Vrabel. But with John Robinson, I'm going to go in a different direction. Before we get to that different direction, I want you to hear from John Robinson all the way back, and I believe it was, I want to say 2015. No, it would have been 2016. Yeah, 2016, when John Robinson uh, became the Titans general manager, when he was named the Titans general manager. Let's take a listen to what he had to say all the way back then when he took over the job. Our goal here is to win. Bottom line. That's the measuring stick that all franchisers, all franchises are measured by. Mike and I have an aligned vision of what we want this team to look like. We want tough players. We want coachable players. We want smart players, and most importantly, we want players with a team-first attitude. My role here is to ensure that we find those players. I will coach the personnel staff on the type of players that we want and identify the guys that are true fits of what we're looking for in a type. That's Titans general manager John Robinson back in 2016 when he was hired to take over for Rustin Webster as the Titans general manager, talking about the culture that he wanted to instill with the Titans. Now, John Robinson has done a good job of doing exactly what he talked about all those years ago, of building a culture of players who are you know, smart and coachable and have a team-first attitude. And he's had some swings and misses in that department, right? You can point to Vic Beasley. You can point to Isaiah Wilson. But for the most part, John Robinson has done just that. He has nailed the culture conversation. Chris says, John the GOAT. But what I'm going to go with as we have this conversation about John Robinson's biggest accomplishment is not so much what happens in the locker room 
and not so much what is going on and, and what is being said and what is in people's heads because culture does matter. I'm a huge believer that culture matters for a football team. But the biggest accomplishment of John Robinson is what he's been able to put on the field in terms of talent and ability. John Robinson's biggest accomplishment with the Titans is that he has set them up to be consistent winners. He has given them a foundation of talent through the draft, through free agency, and through trades to be consistent winners. You want the stat that is going to indicate that for you? Every season that the Titans have been under John Robinson as general manager has been a winning season. 9-7 in 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019. 12 and 5 in 2020, excuse me, 12 and 11 and 5 in 2020, 12 and 5 this season in 2021. John Robinson has set the Titans up to have those accomplishments. And let's not forget where the Titans were before John Robinson took over. When, When Robinson took over the job, it had already been eight years since the Titans' last division title. Eight years since their last trip to the postseason. They had won five games in the previous two seasons. And yet immediately, with Robinson's ability to bring in players to help the Titans win games, they flipped things around and became not just a winning organization, but a consistent winning organization. Again, all six seasons under John Robinson winning seasons. And so, I think that's John Robinson's biggest accomplishment, the fact that he has given the Titans a foundation of players on which they can have that kind of success. And and the biggest part of that, the biggest crux of that player foundation that John Robinson has provided came back in 2019, as Stephen so astutely pointed out in the chat. Because in 2019, John Robinson nailed a draft in a way that few general managers have ever nailed a draft. First two picks, rounds one and rounds two, this was the year the draft was here in Nashville. First two picks, Jeffrey Simmons and A.J. Brown. Wow, right? I mean, A.J. Brown is a stud receiver a guy who you want to get the ball to as many times as possible, a guy who's about to get paid with a capital P. You remember that 49ers game when they just had no answer for this guy? John Robinson nailed that A.J. Brown pick, giving the Titans offense, and ultimately Ryan Tannehill, a true number one threat at wide receiver, something the Titans have had not had since Derek Mason and, and had really struggled to find. And then with Jeffrey Simmons, you get a team captain, you get a leader, but you just you get a hard worker, you get a bully on that defensive line. You know, I, I, I thought before the draft that Jeffrey Simmons was going to come in and be someone who was you know going to play well against the run and make the occasional impact in the passing game. But boy, was I wrong. Jeffrey Simmons took a huge step in 2021 and became a truly elite player on the defensive line. Dion says he wants to vote J-Rob into office just based on that speech we looked at uh, from John Robinson from back in 2016. I love, by the way, that there is 
a Ryan Tannehill debate already happening in the comments, even though that has not been spurred from, from us from in any way. Darren says, don't remind him of Rustin Webster. I think it's important to mention Rustin Webster, though, just to contrast, right, what the Titans had uh, and then what they ended up with in John Robinson. Dion wants us to play the speech again. I, we'll do that, Dion. We'll do that in just a minute. Um, but that's what John Robinson has done more than anything, is he's given the Titans that player foundation it solidified in 2019. And then you go beyond those two, right? You go beyond Simmons. You go beyond A.J. Brown. And you get to Amani Hooker, a key starter for the Titans defense. You get to David Long, another key starter for the Titans defense, a guy who really plays with his hair on fire at inside linebacker. You get Nate Davis, a right guard who you know struggled a little bit in 2021 but has been a, a consistently reliable starter for the Titans. Now, I, I see a comment in the chat about Isaiah Wilson. Right? I, I, and, and as I mentioned, you know, you can talk about Isaiah Wilson. You can talk about Vic Beasley. And I'm consistently very hard on John Robinson. But all of that is with the understanding and with, with, with the knowledge that he's really, really good at his job. I can be critical and I can say the Isaiah Wilson pick was a colossal disaster. I can say that outside of Christian Fulton, he hasn't really gotten the Titans a starter in the last two years of the draft. You could, I guess, throw Elijah Molden in there, um, though he's not going to play in base defense. It's nickel. Well, you know, whatever. Put Molden in there. Two starters in two drafts. That's a really bad hit rate. You can say those things without jumping to this fire him nonsense. John Robinson's really good. And part of the reason that the Titans have had these six straight winning seasons is, again, this player foundation that he has provided them, which, oh, by the way, includes quarterback Ryan Tannehill. We're going to talk more about Tannehill in just one second. We're going to have our Two Rivers Ford take question in just one second about John Robinson. But before we do that, since it has been so popularly demanded, let's take another listen to what John Robinson had to say when the Titans first hired him back in 2016. Our goal here is to win. Bottom line. That's a measuring stick that all franchisers, all franchises are measured by. Mike and I have an aligned vision of what we want this team to look like. We want tough players. We want coachable players. We want smart players. And most importantly, we want players with a team-first attitude. My role here is to ensure that we find those players. I will coach the personnel staff on the type of players that we want and identify the guys that are true fits of what we're looking for in a tight. But again, it's John Robinson back in 2016 in his introductory press conference. Now, we're getting the critics in the chat. Here comes Chris. Says, they thought Corey Davis was a top 10 receiver. Yes, Corey Davis was a bust. And we get another one. Wilson, Fitzpatrick, right? We get that there have been mistakes. I get that there have been mistakes. Go look at my body of work, the things I've written about John Robinson. In fact... I was looking back recently when I was writing my season wrap-up column this year. I was like, what did I write for that last year? 
My season wrap-up column in 2020 was why John Robinson ruined the Titans' chances at a playoff run. Right? He hasn't been perfect. But again, he's good at his job because he's given them a consistent winning foundation. Folks, you don't go 12-5 and and get a number one playoff seat. I don't care what happens in the playoffs. You don't do that without a good general manager. And he's someone who deserves a lot of admiration and respect for what he's done. Derek nails it. I think he's done a fantastic job as a whole. There have been swings and misses. There have been mistakes, some of them really, really big. But ultimately, John Robinson has set the Titans up for success and to be consistent winners. Off of that, I have a question for all of you. It is going to be our Two Rivers Ford take question of the night, and that is this. Which John Robinson roster move has been the most important to setting up this foundation we've been talking about? Because the winning foundation that the Titans have is thanks to the players that John Robinson has brought into this organization. And so my question to all of you is which singular roster move, whether that's a draft pick, a trade, or a free agent signing, which one had the biggest impact on that foundation? Think about your answers. Put them in the chat. While you are doing that, I'm going to talk to you about our friends at Two Rivers Ford because this is our Two Rivers Ford take question of the evening. We love talking about Two Rivers Ford on primetime. Love talking about them throughout the season on Titan Game Day Morning Live because Two Rivers Ford is the best place to buy a car in the Nashville area. The reason is because that they have a non-commissioned sales staff, meaning that when you go in there to look for a car, You're not going to get pressured, you're not going to get harassed, and you're not going to get pestered into doing something that you really don't want to do or that you really don't need to do. They have your best interest in mind. They want you to be comfortable with your decision. They want you to get the perfect car for you, and sometimes that might not be with them, but most of the time it's going to be, and here's why. Because at Two Rivers Ford, if there's a specific color or model on your mind, that you're wanting to get that they don't have on the lot, they will order it for you custom. That is the two hours forward guarantee. So if you're looking for a car and you're wanting to find that car and a comfortable buying experience, go check out two hours forward or give them a call at 800-900-1000. All right. Which John Robinson draft move had the biggest impact on setting the Titans up for their consistent winning success. Jeff says, drafting A.J. Brown. Preston says, drafting Derrick Henry. This is a good one. Neil kind of coming out of left field, but I like it. I think it makes sense. Says, bringing in DeMarco Murray. while well, he was a big name. Anthony says, Autry and Dupree. That certainly turned things around this year. I, I think you have a good argument there, Anthony. Jeff going back to A.J. Brown. Jeremy going with two answers. Says, Jeff Simmons and Derrick Henry. Mr. Shuckle. That This is a great answer, right? Trading back in the first round a few years back because instead of one pick, which probably would have been Jalen Ramsey, I think is what we're all thinking, him or maybe Joey Bosa, right? Out of that, the Titans got Derrick Henry. They got, um, I believe they got Austin Johnson from that trade. They got Jonu Smith out of that trade. And I want to say there was someone else that, that they managed to nab with those picks. But again, more foundational pieces, right? Great answer there. DeMarco Murray and Dennis Kelly. Very interesting answer there from Josh Reynolds, doubting that this is Titans Josh Reynolds uh, because Titans Josh Reynolds gave up on John Robinson a long, long time ago. 
Steven says, bringing in Mike Vrabel, not really a roster move, but we'll talk more about Vrabel in just a minute. Jeff says, Bud Dupree. Derek says, drafting Big Jeff. Derek Henry from Jeffrey. And Max says, drafting Henry. What I'm going to go with is what David says. Ryan Tannehill. Now, I can't believe I'm saying this, honestly, because I have been very, very hard on Ryan Tannehill ever since that playoff game, and I'm going to continue to be hard on him until he shows me, until he shows us that he is capable of stepping up and owning the moment in the postseason. But what you have to admit about Tannehill is that if we're talking about this winning foundation that the Titans have in place, a lot of that comes down to him. Because in the NFL, you can have the big-time running back, right? A lot of you brought up Derrick Henry. You can have the great wide receiver, A.J. Brown. You can have the the big, rough defensive line with Simmons and Autry and, and Landry and Dupree. You can have the, the great ball hawk safety that is Kevin Byer. You can have all of those things on a single roster. But if you don't have a quarterback, you're toast. The Titans were nearing that direction as Marcus Mariota continued to erode as a quarterback, continued to regress and get markedly worse. And it became clear that his time as the Titans starter needed to be over during that Denver Broncos game. Imagine if they didn't have Ryan Tannehill to turn to. Imagine if they had to turn to some free agent bridge quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick or Terod Taylor instead of Ryan Tannehill. Imagine if they had had to gone with one of the rookies that they would have ended up with in the draft. Because I don't see the Titans ending up with one of these really good young quarterbacks that we've seen lately. If John Robinson doesn't pull the trigger and make that move for Ryan Tannehill trading a fourth-round pick. We would be having a very different conversation today, I think, than the one we are having, which is he just got a much-deserved contract extension and let's celebrate him and talk about why he's so good. 30-13 and is Ryan Tannehill's regular season record with the Titans. That is the most impactful move John Robinson has made. Is Ryan Tannehill the best player John Robinson has picked? No, by no means. Derrick Henry is easily, I think, the best player with Kevin Byard, Jeffrey Simmons, and A.J. Brown sort of all competing for number two. But in terms of the most impactful, it's the quarterback because if they didn't have the quarterback, I'm not really sure where this team would be right now. Mr. Shuckle says, don't hate on Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm sorry. I, I like... I like Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's just, uh, he's not for me. Uh, Top tier says, agree that Tannehill was a good pickup, but the contract he gave him was bad. Yeah, you you can make that argument, but that's just what quarterbacks get. Tannehill uh, was actually gotten, I think, at a pretty reasonable rate. The, The reason that his cap is so high heading into this season is because the cap went down last year because of COVID and, um, you know, they had to do the back load or the front load or whatever you want to call it, the uh, the restructure, right? And he got all that money early. So I, I don't think the contract argument is really that fair. 
All right. And, and, and Yogi says, where has Ryan Tannehill gotten us? It's all about the postseason, and he has failed us. He has failed you. But guess what? I don't think you're getting there without Ryan Tannehill. That's the issue here. All right. We've talked about the best of John Robinson. Now, let's shift into the head coach, who also got a contract extension today from the Titans. We're going to talk about Mike Vrabel's biggest accomplishments, the biggest accomplishment, the singular accomplishment, with the Titans here on A to Z Sports Primetime. I am Luke Worsham, Titans reporter for A to Z Sports Nashville. Here with you as Buck Rising is at the Nashville airport getting ready to head to Los Angeles to bring you guys a week of coverage from Radio Row at the Super Bowl. Powered we are. I sound like Yoda. Powered we are. We're powered on AZ Sports Primetime by DraftKings Sportsbook. If you have their website right now, DraftKings.com slash sportsbook, use the promo code A to Z Sports. It's right there on your screen. You'll get 56 to 1 odds on Super Bowl 51, 56, excuse me, meaning that if the team you pick wins, a $5 bet becomes $280 in free bets. But that's only with the promo code A to Z Sports, only at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Must be present in Tennessee and 21 years or older to participate. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for more information. And if you or someone you know needs help or wants a, or needs or wants help for a gambling problem, call or text the Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789. Let's talk about Mike Vrabel. Let's talk about what Mike Vrabel has accomplished with the Titans because someone, I can't remember who, brought up in the chat when we were talking about Robinson, said his biggest accomplishment was getting Mike Vrabel. And that was certainly a big deal. And so, whereas with John Robinson, I was much more focused on the players, which is, you know, ultimately his job is to bring in players. I want to shift to more of a culture conversation with Mike Vrabel. But what I'm going to talk about with Mike Vrabel culture is not so much the locker room camaraderie, not so much the team first kind of stuff. All that is very important, right? All that is crucial to the Titans' success. But if we're talking about the biggest accomplishment of Mike Vrabel, which I think relates directly to the culture he has helped establish, I think it is different than that conversation about the attitude and that sort of thing. And to illustrate what I mean when I'm talking about Mike Vrabel's culture, I'm going to play you one of my Question of the Week videos from after the Titans had their big win against the 49ers on Thursday Night Football, a game that no one thought the Titans were going to win because of the amount of injuries and ailments and COVID stuff that they had going on. I'm going to play that video for you, and I think that's going to help everyone understand exactly what I mean as we're going to have this culture conversation about Mike Vrabel. The Night Football game against the 49ers was one of those games where every analyst at the desk on the TV network before the game picks the team who weren't the Titans. And it's hard to blame them. The Titans found out on Thursday morning that they would be without their second-string left tackle, forcing them to play their third-string left tackle in addition to their second-string left guard. Not a lot was going to the Titans' way heading into this one, yet they rose to the occasion as they so often do in those types of situations. So this week, my question for Mike Vrabel was, what is it about the character and the makeup of this team that allows it to consistently have success when the situation dictates that they probably shouldn't have success? This is what Vrabel had to say. Try not to panic. Try to make sure that everybody's prepared and ready to go when they come in there at the beginning of the week. It's the same thing. You know what I mean? You come in there, you show up, and Monday, everybody, you know, a short week especially. 
guys, you, have, you, you come into this meeting, you better be prepared as you work your way through the next couple of days here to play in the game because anything could happen. Guys may not be able to recover from whatever they had after the game on Sunday or, you know, in our case, having a couple guys that, that ended up being put on the, you know, the COVID IR. And I try not to panic and so that the, the coaches don't panic and then the players don't panic. You know, typically when a coach talks about those types of things, not panicking and attitude, it's just lip service and coach speak. But the Titans actually put it into practice. Time and time again, with their backs are against the wall and they're facing adversity, the Titans dish out to opponents their very best stuff. And it all starts with how Mike Vrabel sets the tone each and every week for this team. And he deserves, and they deserve, a lot of praise for that. I hope you enjoyed this week's question. Thanks for tuning in. Mike Vrabel after the Titans win on Thursday night football over the 49ers. Preston says Luke just wanted to see himself on the screen. Preston, what do you think I have right now? (laughs) I've been seeing myself on the screen for the last 27 minutes that we've been doing this show. It's a nice theory, though. No. Uh, The reason I play that video is because what I talked about in that video and what, more importantly, Vrabel talked about in that video is what I want to get at here with this conversation of Vrabel's biggest accomplishment. I think Vrabel's biggest accomplishment is the culture he has instilled in relation to winning. And I wrote a column about this toward the end of the season. I think Vrabel has made things so simple for the Titans, and that's such a strength of his. Because we're in the era, right, of analytics and next-gen stats, and offensive gurus, and window dressing, and blah, 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 blah. Mike Vrabel has a very simple approach to winning that doesn't require any of that stuff. Here's the approach. You ready? They come in on Monday, and they watch the tape from the game before. They come in on Tuesday, come up with a plan for the next game. They practice that plan on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then on Sunday, they execute that plan, and they usually win. It sounds almost overly simple, but again, that's basically what Vrabel said in that video. Right? I asked him, how do y'all keep doing it? How do y'all keep winning these games when your backs are against the wall? He's like, I don't know. We just we bring them in the meeting, and we say... This is what we're going to do in the game and and get ready to do it. And the fact that he can not only do that, but so often do it successfully is why I think Mike Vrabel is such a good coach in the NFL. It's why I voted for him for coach of the year in the pro football writers poll. Because he keeps it simple. And because he keeps it simple, the players are able to be ready to go. The Titans aren't in a position where if they lose, you know, these three players, they've got these backups who are having to come in and learn a bunch of stuff and and figure this out and figure that out and slide into this role. The ball just kind of keeps rolling. And because he keeps it simple, they can consistently win games. And this Titans team enters games, at least the current makeup they did in 2021, they enter games expecting to win. 
which is something that we certainly could not have said of the Titans in their two and three win seasons. But I don't even think you could say under Mike Malarkey. This Titans team has a really good mental makeup. And there's a lot about their culture that's good with, again, the way that they get along, the way that they have these, like like we watched in the Robinson video twice, right? the coachable guys, the tough guys, the team first guys. But what I think is the most impressive and in turn the most important part of the Titans culture is this simple approach to winning that Mike Vrabel has instilled. And pretty consistently, if you look at the Titans' record under Mike Vrabel, it works. Top Tier says the Titans are rarely out of a game. I mean, gee, when was the last time we saw the Titans just get blown out? The Browns game last year, 2020, was really bad. But they kind of came back in the second half and even made it pretty competitive. I Maybe I'm forgetting one from this season, but but the Titans don't really take the field and get blown off the field. I can't even remember a game this season where they entered the fourth quarter not in it. The The Jets game was, was going downhill quickly, but even that one went to overtime. Arizona week one, yeah, a couple of you bringing that up. Titans, Kyle, Neil, uh, Mr. Shuckle. That's the game that the Titans got absolutely destroyed at Nissan Stadium. But aside from that, which was such an anomaly and was so honestly weird to watch, that that kind of thing doesn't happen to them. And that's a credit to Mike Vrabel and his consistent ability to prepare the Titans to win. So off of that, off of that conversation about Mike Vrabel, I got another question for you guys. I'm really curious as to what you guys are going to say to this one. Simple question as we end our Mike Vrabel conversation. I want to know, what is your favorite Mike Vrabel moment over the last four years of him being the Titans head coach? Maybe it came from a game. Maybe it's something he said in a press conference. Maybe, you know, I don't know what it could be. What is your favorite Mike Vrabel moment from his time as the Titans head coach over the last four years? I'm going to give you a minute to think about your answers, really excited to read these. I think we're going to have a, a, a nice array of answers in the chat. As you're thinking about your answers, I want to talk to you about our friend Gary Ashton and his team at REMAX Advantage. Because if you were looking to buy or sell a home in the Nashville area, Gary Ashton is who you need to get a hold of. These days, the real estate market is uber competitive. And so you want to be able to get yourself the best possible competitive advantage. Gary Ashton is that. You've probably seen his billboards all around Nashville. He's the official real estate provider of the Titans and of the Nashville Predators. And on those billboards, he always puts his slogan, right? Don't sell without the intel. And the reason he can make that his slogan is because he has the best intel to provide you because of his experience and relationships in the Nashville real estate market. But he's not just a selling guy. He's not just going to help you sell. He can also help you get your dream address without the stress. So, Looking to buy or sell in the Nashville area? Get yourself the best competitive advantage. Give Gary Ashton a call or go to his website at GaryAshton.com. Favorite Mike Vrabel moment from the last four years, Chris, when he bitched Marcus Mariota. (laughs) Savage. 
Chris, Chris going for the knees there. I love it. So funny. That was one of my favorite moments because it meant I didn't have to watch Mario to play quarterback anymore. Chris says six winning seasons. Also, that might be his his uh, his more serious answer. Najee says when he trolled Bill Belichick with the clock. That's what that's what Reed brought up in our production meeting before we uh, before we ran with the show tonight. Let's see the draft where he was at home. That was funny. Where uh, where you know, it looked like. Uh, it looked like Tyler Vrabel was using the toilet and then Carter and one of his friends were in those very weird costumes behind Mike while he was sitting at his laptop getting ready to to shock the world and draft Isaiah Wilson. What a great pick that was. Faking out Bill Belichick in the playoffs. Another answer for that from Yogi. Taking a 12 minute on the penalty for clock management. Now I can't remember when that one was because that wasn't that wasn't the the Patriots game. The Patriots game was delay of games, and, and I know what you're talking about, Neil. I just can't remember what game that was. Remind me. Put another comment in the chat. Remind me what game that was. Uh, when he was telling Jim Har John Harbaugh to go to his sideline and chill out. Yeah, that was really funny. Uh, lots of answers about the the clock stuff against the Patriots. Titans. Kyle says press conference walk off this season. I actually wasn't there that day. That was. For whatever reason, a day I took off. I can't remember why, uh, but I was at home and I watched that happen. And I was like, "What the heck?" It was a very strange thing for him to walk up to. But I can understand why you guys would find that funny. Uh, let's see any other uh, any other answers. Texans game last season. Texans game last season. Are we talking about here versus the Texans? I I can't even remember. Either they won both of them. One was in overtime. I, I don't know what moment specifically you're talking about, Amy. Um, if, if you want to be more specific, I'd love to talk about your answer. <laughs> I, I think this might be mine. When he threw that red challenge flag with such determination, you know, Vrabel's such like an even keel guy. Like he is, he, you know, he, he's Vrabel. He has the big personality. Uh, but on the sideline, you know, he's not having these aneurysms like Jim Harbaugh did when he was with the 49ers. But Vrabel was so upset. It was because like three weeks in a row he had had to challenge something so dumb that was just ridiculous. And and, and when you watched it on the TV, he, he, he chucked that flag and you could like see him screaming the F-bomb. Oh, man, it was just fantastic. <sighs> okay. And, and Neil is saying the 12 men on the field was against the Texans. I honestly, I, I remember that happening, but then like at the same time, I don't remember that happening. I need to go look that up. <sighs> Okay, I guess it's my turn to answer this question. Favorite Mike Vrabel moment. And it's great because, you know, for all Vrabel's flaws, and, and I, I like Vrabel a lot. I think he's a good coach. But but for all his flaws, he's, he's funny. <laughs> like, everyone has to agree that Mike Vrabel is just a character. And, oh, man, I, I you know, I, I think, I don't know that this is necessarily my favorite, but it was very memorable for me this season when I put out a tweet about Vrabel and the Titans playing soft off coverage. And I I was partially incorrect, but I still stand by the nature of that tweet. That's another conversation. But that day at the press conference, I asked Vrabel something like, um, this is something related to the topic of that tweet. And he was like, yeah, I saw your tweet. 
And that moment was was like at the same time it was like, well, Mike Vrabel reads my Twitter. I'm sort of flattered. And then it was also like, oh, Mike Vrabel reads my Twitter. That's mildly terrifying. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm going to go with for my. Again, don't know that that's my favorite. I'm not like you know sitting in bed at night going, oh, I remember that time. Like you know, it was a little uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I remember that he ripped you a new one. Yeah, that was a that was a great day. And I've had a lot of funny exchanges with Vrabel over the years. Um, I, I could go down the list there, uh, but that one is certainly a a memorable one for me. Derek says he going to hurt you, Luke. I, I always say that of the people in the Titans building that I would want to fight the least, uh, Jeffrey Simmons is the clear number one, but but Vrabel is uh, number two in that department. All right. We've talked about the best of John Robinson, talked about the best of Mike Vrabel, both of whom got contract extensions from the Titans today. Now, what I want to do is shift just a little bit to the Super Bowl. Because it is Super Bowl week, so I feel like we owe you guys a Super Bowl topic. And the Super Bowl topic we're going to have tonight relates specifically to Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford. Because I was listening to the Dan Patrick show today. He had Rich Eisen on as a guest. Love Rich Eisen. Love Dan Patrick. They were talking about the Super Bowl, and they said something that I thought was really interesting and honestly a little bit peculiar about Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford. I'll play that clip for you guys in just one second as we continue going. If you're wondering where Buck is, he is at the airport waiting to fly to Los Angeles to bring you guys coverage from Radio Row at the Super Bowl over the rest of the week. This is A to Z Sports Primetime. We're powered by DraftKings Sportsbook. Head to their website, DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook. Give them the promo code A to Z Sports, and they will give you 56 to 1 odds on Super Bowl 56, meaning a $5 bet. If you win, that comes $280 in free bets. So as I was watching the Dan Patrick show today, he had Rich Eisen on as a guest. They started talking about Matthew Stafford, and it really caught my ear. Take a listen. fully believe Les Need has things set up where it's not like, some people have got to go. I think they will be able to figure out to keep Vaughn and Odell and everybody kind of digs it here. They really like each other. I don't sense any, you know, when you see a team like they've got to win now, they're all in, they're going to break up. Um, there might be some fissures within the front office. There might be something like that. I, I just think if there is any pressure, it would be when are you going to get back? Uh, although Stafford thinks, I, I would think that he's in a great spot. Um that said, it would be a great m- momentum um, for the Rams to win this game and help build a fan base. Around yeah, that's here. what I was wondering about the fan base. But I, I was looking at this. If Stafford wins and plays well, yes, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. I agree. If Joe Burrow wins, now he's halfway to the Hall of Fame. So prior to hearing that conversation uh, with Rich Eisen and Dan Patrick, I had never even considered the possibility of Matthew Stafford being in the Hall of Fame. Um, And hearing them have that conversation, it was interesting because they were so sure about it. There there wasn't even a debate. There wasn't even a conversation. They just both kind of said, well, you know, if the Rams win the Super Bowl this week, then that means that that Matthew Stafford is going to go in the Hall of Fame. They're like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I just don't know that I buy that, though, because I would agree that if you look at Matthew Stafford's numbers, 
Uh, they are pretty good consistently. Like, I'm looking at his stats right now, and if you start in 2011, his third year in the league, I remember that year. It was the year of the quarterback. There were three 5,000-yard passers in the league that year. 5,038 yards that year. And then the next year, he nearly had 5,000 again. And, and, and that those two years started a string of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons in a row where Stafford threw for at least 4,000 yards. And throughout that time, for the most part, with the exception of 2016, his touchdown-to-interception ratio is generally pretty strong. Matthew Stafford's numbers, if you look at them, are, are pretty good, and they've been pretty good consistently, especially as the yards are concerned. But I don't buy Matthew Stafford as a Hall of Famer. Because at no point in Matthew Stafford's career has anyone put him in a conversation as one of the better quarterbacks in the league. He has always consistently been a tier two, tier three guy. And that's not who the Hall of Fame is for. The Hall of Fame is for tier ones. I sound like Will Compton now, which just makes me crazy. But the Super Bowl is for Tier 1s. It's not for Tier 2s. It's not for Tier 3s. Most people judge the Hall of Fame by one of two standards. Standard 1 is, can you tell the history of the NFL without this player? You can without Matthew Stafford. And then the other standard I've heard a lot of times is, were they one of the best players at their position for a sustained period of time? You know, we're talking about Derrick Henry potentially being a Hall of Famer. Uh, That's a yes for him. He has been one of the best players at his position for a sustained period of time. Titans legend Adrian Peterson, right? Sustained position is one of the best players at running back. There's a lot of guys you could talk about being that. Brady, Manning, Breeze, right? All at the top. Stafford has never been in that conversation. He's not really won a whole lot of games, and I get that he was a part of a poverty franchise. But, you know, a lot of that is on the quarterback to elevate, and and you can go back and forth on that. But him changing teams and winning one Super Bowl with the Rams in a season where he was good, not great, right? Let's not act like Matthew Stafford has been some kind of savant for the Rams. He's been vastly better, certainly, than Jared Goff. But it's not like he's been an MVP, I mean, if you really look at it, do we think Matt Ryan's a Hall of Famer? And I think he, you know, minus the Super Bowl meltdown, has probably had a better career than Matthew Stafford, statistically and in terms of wins. So I just don't buy Matthew Stafford as a Hall of Famer, despite what Rich Eisen and Dan Patrick seem to think, because I just don't think he has been at that spot of one of the best for a sustained period of time. Lots of comments rolling in on this. Jeremy says, I see people claiming Odell Beckham as a future Hall of Famer, and I don't see it in his numbers. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. The the Browns years will probably throw that off. Uh, Jay says, if anything, Stafford is known for his high number of comeback wins. Titans Kyle says, big numbers on bad teams shouldn't mean he's Hall of Fame worthy. He's played okay on a team that's trying to buy a ring. Interesting comment there from Titans Kyle. 
Uh, it's not St- and, and and this is fair. You know, St- Dion says it's not Stafford's fault that he played for a crappy franchise most of his career. But even playing for that crappy franchise, like there have been plenty of great players who played for terrible teams. Um, and I just don't think Matthew Stafford is that. I really, really don't. Um, let, let's see. Lauman says Goff is a better quarterback than Matthew Stafford. I'm not going to go that far. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. MB says this is why the Hall of Fame is stupid. Stafford could win, play subpar, they win on defense, and yet people will put him in the Hall of Fame. I'm with you there, MB. I think this is, is ridiculous. So those of you who have yet to comment, what our question on this topic is going to be is very simply, if the Rams win the Super Bowl, is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? Because I've laid out my case. I just don't see it. And some of you have laid out your cases in the chat, but I want to know what you guys have to say. Is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? As you are putting your answer in the chat, let me know how you feel about this. I want to talk to you about our friends at Brimac Heating and Cooling because, you know, the weather's all over the place these days, right? It's, fr- it's freezing in the morning. It's warm in the afternoon. It's freezing again at night, right? It's all over the place. And when you're inside your home, you don't want to have to worry about that. And so if you've been fighting your heating and cooling unit and it's not working the way you need it to, don't fight anymore. Don't be the person that's, you know, wearing a, a sweatshirt and a coat inside the house because you don't have heating that's working, give Brimac a call. They have a satisfaction guaranteed, so you know you're going to get what you're looking for. And they're just really, really good at what they do. So for all of your heating and cooling needs, especially these days with the weather being as all over the place as it is, you know, a, bl- a blizzard one week and it's brutally cold on Friday and then it's, you know, 60 and sunny this afternoon. Give Brimac Heating and Cooling a call. Go to Brimac.com to get started with them. For our audio-only listeners, B-R-Y-M-A-K.com. Is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer if the Rams win the Super Bowl? Big no, coming from Lauman. MB says no because he's never been one of the best to ever do it. That's how I answer the Hall of Fame question. I have to agree with you there. Jeremy says that's a no from me. Josh says no, uh, Juan, Juan says, besides Calvin Johnson, who Matthew could have thrown it to? Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, uh, Golden Tate. Nate Burleson was a serviceable receiver during his time, right? It's not like he's played with junk even after Calvin Johnson left. He's consistently had decent players to throw the ball to. Yes from me, says Derek. That's the only yes that I've seen in the chat. Juan says, hell no, Matthew Stafford is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know my answer to this, and it really comes down to the, you know, best at your position question. I I just don't think that at the end of Matthew Stafford's career, I don't know why we would look at him as one of the best, as one of the great quarterbacks to play this game, because that's what the Hall of Fame is. And if the Rams win on Sunday, I don't all of a sudden look at Matthew Stafford and say he is one of the great quarterbacks. I just don't. Someone brought up Eli Manning in the chat. I think Eli Manning is the exact same way. Two rings, very, very nice, very, very uh, uh, enviable career that Eli Manning had. He was, he was good. I would love to have Eli Manning's career. He, he was the right choice for the Giants. They should have made that trade that they made, and 
And it all worked out, but he's not a Hall of Famer. It doesn't mean he's a Hall of Famer. It doesn't mean he's one of the greats. He's not. Neither is Matthew Stafford. All right. One more topic to get to this evening, and that is gone viral, which, of course, happens every Tuesday night here on A to Z Sports Primetime. And this week for Gone Viral, I'm going to bring up a trend that I saw going on Twitter earlier this week. The trend was this, and I saw a lot of people, quote, tweeting this and spreading it around. It was where you you name five famous people, and four of them you have either talked to or met or been within a few feet of, and then one of the five is not. And the, and the other people watching have to guess which one is fake. And so I thought for our Gone Viral section, our segment tonight, it would be fun to play that game. So this is my list. These are my five famous people that I've either met or been within a few feet of, but one of these is not true. And I want you guys to, in the chat, see if you can guess which one of these five is not true. For our audio audience, I will read the names on the list. Keith Urban, Tom Brady, Luke Combs, Stefan Gilmore, and Derek Henry. Four of those famous people I have either met or been within a few feet of or talked to, but one of them is not true. Keith Urban, Tom Brady, Luke Combs, Stefan Gilmore, or Derek Henry. All right, what do you guys think as I'm messing up the graphics here? Which one is fake? Which is the lie? Yogi says he thinks Tom Brady is the lie. Asim says he thinks Keith Urban is the lie. Steven says Tom Brady, story funny, cross him out. Derek says Stefan Gilmore. Uh, Jay Tyra says Derek Henry. Ken says Stefan Gilmore. Josh says Tom Brady. Juan says Luke Combs. He's in the middle. You're trying to hide him. Perhaps that is the strategy I'm going with. Who knows? TJ Hines says Luke Combs. Lots of Luke Combs coming in. Preston says Luke Combs. MB says Luke Combs. Carlos says Luke Combs. Let's eliminate this list one by one. I think we can start by eliminating Derrick Henry. That was sort of the gimme. I I talked to Derrick Henry on a weekly basis during the NFL season. All right, so that one can come off the list. Next, let's do Stephon Gilmore. That one can come off the list because when the Patriots were in town for joint practices – uh, in 2019, I interviewed Stefan Gilmore for a story I was working on for Corey Davis. And when I tell you that that was one of the worst interviews that I have ever been a part of in my professional career, uh, believe me. I, I think I asked him a question about Corey Davis, and he said something like, yeah, man, he's a good player. And I followed up with something. I was like, you know, what, what, what are the challenges of covering Corey Davis? He's really good at what he does. I was like, all right, thanks. And I think that was the end of the interview. I think I just asked him two questions. So that was my Stefan Gilmore interaction. Uh, next coming off of the list is Keith Urban. Here's the Keith Urban story. I'm in the tunnel at Nissan Stadium. This is 2018. And I think he was doing the national anthem. But anyway, there, there's all these people coming in and out of the tunnel, which is, doesn't really happen. But I'm, I'm pressed up against the wall like this, as you can see my, my board moving back like that. Like I'm pressed up against the wall, and I think I'm tweeting like this to put, and try to put some videos out. And all of a sudden I look up, and there's Keith Urban literally like, like – he, he, we were not social distanced in that moment. Keith Urban was like right there, and I was like, oh, there, there's Keith Urban. So Keith Urban I have been close to. That leaves two on this list. That leaves Tom Brady 
and uh, uh, Luke Combs. And the correct answer to the question is Luke Combs because I, uh, I've been around Brady. Uh, I, I've stood on the sideline while he was on the field a few times. Uh, and then this year when we were in, or when I was in Tampa, when the Titans media was in Tampa covering those joint practices, um, I attended my first ever Tom Brady press conference and got to ask him a question. So that was my Tom Brady interaction. But yes, Luke Combs is fake. Uh, it could have not been fake because last offseason I was working on a story about Darrington Evans, who has done some music stuff with Luke Combs, and I actually reached out to his publicist and asked for an interview with him. I was unfortunately denied that opportunity. Or Luke Combs could have also been true. But no, I have never met or been near Luke Combs. I'm curious, though, a question I have for you all as we wrap up the night is, what's your celebrity interaction? Because the job that I have sort of lends itself, especially with these athletes, to, to being around these people. And it's super fun, and I'm, I'm blessed to have the opportunities that I'm, I do. But I'm curious, what are your all's, you, you all's celebrity interactions? What, what, what have been your moments, kind of like mine with the Keith Urban thing, where you're pushed up against the wall and you're just trying to mind your own business, and you look up and there's Keith Urban? Right, and I'm sure a lot of you live in Nashville, and so maybe you're around these, these country music artists. Uh, but, but what's your celebrity interaction? I'm curious if anybody has any interesting ones. Uh, I would love to see those put into the chat. And I will say this, you know, the more time you spend around these people, especially the Titans, because, uh, you know, I, Derek Henry is the only one on that list that I actually spend consistent time around, um, you learn that they're just people. And they don't want to be superheroes necessarily. They just kind of want to play ball. They just kind of want to, you know, do their music. And uh, I, I think you learn a lot being around those people and realizing uh, the humanity of it all. Jeremy says he, drunk, he he had a beer with Johnny Knoxville. TJ says Eric Church sang directly to my daughter holding her hand at Nissan Stadium after we drove all the way from Iowa. I feel like that's going to win. <laughs> I feel like that's gonna that's gonna be the best of all these interactions, mine included. That that's that's really really cool, TJ. That's awesome. Uh, Gene says Eddie George, Penny Hardaway, Vince Gill, Mike Keith. Uh, love Eddie George. He's a super nice guy. I obviously, run into Mike Keith all the time at at Titan stuff. Uh, <laughs> Juan says he met Luke Worsham at the divisional game a few weeks ago. Great great guy that Luke Worsham is. Um, Let's see. Josh says he worked as a bartender, met Tim Smith, and served him a drink. You were nervous. He said it was great from the world's best moonshiner. Good stuff there. Dion says he met Susan Lucci uh, back in the day. And I think this is the comment we'll end on. Asim says, Mike Vrabel contract extended breaking news. Well, I think we're just a few hours late on that one, Asim. Uh, if you want to go back and listen once this wraps up, that's that's what we've been talking about for the last 56 minutes and 41 seconds that we have been on this show. Uh, but appreciate you hopping in toward the end, this scene. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this Tuesday edition of A to Z Sports Primetime. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. Buck will be back tomorrow coming to you from Los Angeles. I appreciate you letting me uh, keep his seat warm for the night. Lots of great comments, lots of great fun. This was a lot of fun, I, I think, this last conversation. I agree, Josh. It was a lot of fun to have this segment. I appreciate you all uh, tuning in, and you will have Buck tomorrow, Austin and Zach in the morning at 8 o'clock. See you guys later.